0: Hey, this is Pastor Madison. I am so excited that you're tuning in today to the Crosspoint podcast. My prayer is that this word inspires you, uplifts you, and enlightens you. You can connect with Movement Youth on Instagram at movement underscore youth or the Point College ministry at the Point College. Let's jump to the message. Tonight, we are going to continue our Spring Fever series. One thing that I have not done a great job of that I've kind of forgotten to tell you at the beginning of the messages is I would love it if you guys bring your Bibles and you bring your journals. Okay, in January, we gave away a Bible and a journal to everyone who came that night. Bring your Bibles, bring your journals so that you can physically open the word of God, see where scripture is on the page, and you can start to take notes. So I want to encourage you with that. Um, But with the Spring Fever series, we've talked about different seasons of our faith, Last week, I know a lot of you were on spring break, but we talked about spring cleaning. And we talked about just, like, dealing with some things that we got going on that we need to clean out. But this week, I want to talk to you about a different kind of spring. Okay, so not the season of spring. It's the kind of spring that is a source of water. Okay? It's like a water spring. It's a source of supply. And if if you can't imagine what I'm picturing, if you go to that slide where there's water coming out, you can kind of envision it a little bit. So that is a, a water spring. And basically what that is, is it's, it happens when rain comes down, it goes in the ground, and then there's so much water that gets built up that it just emerges or goes out of an opening. That is what a water spring is. You, you have a spring. And the reason why I want to talk about this kind of spring is because you have something within you that is like a spring. It, it, it's a source of supply. It takes in a lot of things, and then this source that you have, it causes a lot of things to go out. And just like a water spring is a source, you all have a source within you, and that source is, because anybody guess it? What is that source that you think you have? I've pointed to it already. It's your mind, yes. Yeah, it's your mind. That is the source. Your mind takes in a lot of things, but what goes into your mind eventually has to come out. So whatever happens up here, whatever goes on up here, it it comes out in words and in actions. So our thoughts shape us into who we are. So we are going to talk about your mind tonight. And tonight I have three points. And the first two are going to be super short. And then the last one we're really going to dive into. Okay, so the first point is God made your mind and he wants you to use it. God made your mind and he wants you to use it. The second point is your mind is amazing. And then the third point is you must manage your mind. Okay, let's pray. God, thanks so much for these students. I pray for distractions to be thrown out right now, Lord, and that these students would just totally lock in because we're going to be talking about mind. We're going to be talking about mental health. We're going to be talking about anxiety. And um, it, it can be a heavy topic, but God, I just pray that you would have your way and um, that you would help me step out of the way, be attuned to what you want me to speak, and that it would just fall receptively um, on these students tonight. So let your presence be here, Lord. We love you. Amen. All right, so point number one. God made your mind, and he wants you to use it. God has given you a mind. In 1 Corinthians 6.19, it says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself. So your body is a temple, and your mind is a part of that temple. And there are so many different places in scripture that talk about your mind or or your thoughts, what you think. In Romans 12, 2, it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Another translation says it this way. This is the New Living Translation, and I love how they say it. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let God transform you by changing the way that you think. Your mind is so important. And in 2022, so last year, Tyler and I kind of find ourselves just being kind of negative. We kind of fell into this negative slump. Like we'd come home. And we'd replay different situations or conversations in our head. And we'd overthink what we said or what we did or how we perceived it. And we started to get annoyed at small things. And maybe just like kind of assuming the worst about different situations. Uh, but in, on, in January of this year, in 2023, January 1st, we started 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. And if you don't know what a fast is, it's basically like you give something up, like something you do or something you consume. And you replace it with God. So maybe it's praying, maybe it's His Word. And Tyler and I did something kind of interesting at the beginning of this year. Um, We actually gave up negative talking for 21 days. So we couldn't say anything negative about anything or anyone or any situation at all for 21 days. And I noticed a shift. Because I did not realize how many negative things that I think in a day. Like it really did make a difference. So just like in Romans 12, 2 that we just read, I, I started to be transformed by this renewing of my mind or changing the way that I think. It is so powerful. And I think sometimes Christians get really frustrated. We kind of touched on this last week. We get kind of frustrated when we come to know God and then all of a sudden we're like going back to all of our old habits. Like, God, like why why aren't you delivering me from this or why aren't you healing me from this? And I think this pastor, his name's Rick Warren, he said it best. He said, God is way more interested in changing the way, um, in changing your mind than in changing your circumstances. He wants to change your mind. So the truth is that if, if you or someone you know has come to know Jesus, but you or they haven't changed your mind or your thoughts, you're not going to have freedom. It's as simple as that. Jesus could perform a miracle. He could radically heal you. But if you do not continue to change your thought patterns, you're going to go right back to those old ways of doing things. So God has given us a mind, and he wants us to use it. Point number one, pretty simple. Um, Proverbs 4.23 423 says, above everything else, guard your heart, because from it flows the springs of life. In other words, we have to use and guide our minds. um, Because another translation says, carefully guard your thoughts. Because they are the source of true life. Your, your heart and your your heart and your mind go hand in hand. You have to guard them. Okay. So point number two, your mind is amazing. Everybody say, my mind is amazing. Raise your hand if you have the iPhone 14. Somebody have the iPhone? Okay. How many gigabytes do do like does your phone have? The iPhone 14. What plan do you have? Yell it out. <laughs> I would say I would say the average is probably of people in the room is maybe 128 gigabytes. Okay, that's what my I think I have the iPhone 14 and I'm pretty sure I have 128 gigabytes and that's a lot of gigabytes. I think when I got my first phone like my first smartphone, I was on a plan with my parents and I'm pretty sure that all of us had to share like 2 gigabytes. So that that's a lot, but if your mind if they took your mind and they made it into a computer, your mind would hold Two point five million gigabytes, your mind is amazing. Your brain weighs only three pounds, so it's really you know a small part of your body, but it uses twenty percent of your oxygen and your blood and I know that may seem like not relevant, it is, and we 're going to come back to it later. Twenty percent of your blood and your oxygen is used by your brain. You guys know the thing called the equator? Heard of it? It goes around the, the earth, right? That is 24,900 miles long. In your brain, you have blood vessels that are 100,000 miles long. I know we can't even wrap our minds around it, (laughs) Um, but 100,000 miles of blood vessels are in your brain. That is incredible. You guys know your fingerprint? Your fingerprint is like nobody else's fingerprint in the entire world, right? That is the exact same thing as your brain. Nobody has the exact same brain as you. That is amazing. About 75% of your brain is made up of water. And this is really important because if you are dehydrated, it affects the way that you think. We're going to come back to that later as well. The average attention span of a person is now 8 seconds. I remember my first year of ministry, Wesley Spears is not here, he's on a missions trip to Bangladesh with Jacob Scott and Jacob Bartholow, but I remember Wesley Spears, my first year of ministry, we were in the Mummothai barn, I was only a few months in to, to, you know, doing this, and he looked at me and he was like, your sermons are so short. And I said, that's because your attention span is so short. And it wasn't even a diss to West, but it's just true. Like, I'm competing with a few seconds of a TikTok video. Like, your, your attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. Also, your mind thinks about, and th- this is a wide range, but about 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day. But 80% of those thoughts are said to be negative thoughts. So that leads us to point number three where we're going to sit and dive into and that is you must manage your mind because your mind is powerful. And God gave you your mind, so you have to manage it. How many of you in this room that work have a manager where you work? Raise your hand. Okay, a few of you. Put those hands down. Tyler's raising his hand. He is the manager. Um, I was an operations manager at Target right out of college. I was at a distribution center. And I had a team of 60 people that I had to lead. There was two teams. Two teams. And they were like two to three times my age. They had been there for probably, a lot of them, 20 plus years. So you talk about tough, like I came in as their manager, like as their boss, as their leader. And so I set the plans for the day. I set the goals for the day. And with no manager, there was no organization, there was no plan, there was no goal. If there was no manager, everyone could do what they want. Everyone could show up when they want they could run over the you know run all over the building if they wanted to and target stores as we know it would be filled with crying basic girls holding their starbucks and crying o- over an empty cart because the shelves would not be filled without management management is important and if you don't manage your mind, you're going to let it run wild and you're going to let it think what it wants, when it wants it. You're not going to get the results you want. You're going to have a hard time getting things done. You're going to have a hard time focusing. You're going to have a hard time thinking clearly. So you need to manage your mind. And there's this huge shift in mental health stuff nowadays. And it's almost like people are bragging about having um, depression. Like, oh, yeah, you know, it's just, it's just my, so- my social anxiety. Or, no, it's just my ADHD or my OCD. It's just, it's just who I am. Like, it's almost become like this, this popular thing. And, and I'm not going to stand up here and say that you do not have those things. Um, because some of you do, and I know that. But I am going to tell you that that isn't just the way that you are. I think that that is a cop-out. This may be the way that your brain tends to think, but you can do things that will help yourself. You can do things to manage your mind. I remember when I was little, and um, I was younger, I think I was in elementary school, and my mom told me, I was over at my uh, grandma's house with a bunch of my cousins, and my mom told me, do not watch this scary movie. Don't watch this scary movie. I hated scary movies, but all my cousins liked them, and it was in the morning, so it wasn't as scary, and I decided to disobey my mom and watch the movie anyway, and I'm just going to tell you that that... Me watching that screen of what was on there, it followed me for a long time. And I was impacted by that. And I remember I would be going to bed at night as this young girl, and I would imagine some of the things that I saw. And those those thoughts were scary. But at a young age, I had to realize that I controlled my thoughts. I controlled my thoughts. I have the Holy Spirit, and those thoughts that I'm thinking, they don't have me. God has me. I am the one holding on to these bad thoughts when they come into my mind, not the other way around. And the Holy Spirit is within me, so I have authority over my thoughts because Jesus has authority over everything. And Romans 8, 6 says, the mind governed by the flesh, that's death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. I told you guys some of this, I think, but after I had our daughter, I went through some postpartum stuff some hard things, and I went in and I talked to someone about some of the negative thoughts, some of the anxious thoughts that I was having, and, there's, and I just want to tell you that there is nothing wrong with going and seeing a godly counselor who can help you work through things that you're going through, okay? But the woman that I went to, she asked if I had anxiety, and I was like, no. And she said, well, growing up, would you describe yourself as a perfectionist? And I was like, well, well, yeah, I guess. And she's like, then you have had anxiety. And I absolutely hated that. I hated that she said it. Because when people say that you have anxiety, it, it's almost as if they're saying that anxiety has you. Like it's this common cold that you can't get rid of. Or it's this diagnosis that won't go away. But it's actually the other way around. You are hanging on to anxiety and you have the control to let it go. I've said it before. Anxiety does not have a hold of you. You are holding on to it. So how did I work through these negative thoughts? How did I do it? Well, first of all, I realized that I should not believe everything that I think. That seems very simple, but it can be revolutionary for some of you. You do not have to believe everything you think. Your, your thoughts, they lie a lot because you have a sinful nature and you have an enemy, you have dark forces that are working against trying to get you to focus on the wrong things. But just because you have a thought doesn't have anything to do with whether or not it is helpful. But instead of worrying, um, or instead of, instead of working through this, um, this, this source, this spring, this mind of ours that we could work through, and realizing that our thoughts aren't always true, what we do is we jump to medication right away. Right when I walked into that office and I sat to, to sit down with this, you know, talk through with this person what these thoughts were and what I was experiencing, they instantly offered me medication. Instantly. And I'm telling you, there's no shame in that. There's no shame if you, if you need to be on medication. And I am certainly not telling you to get off your medication if it is needed. But I am saying that too many people are jumping straight to pills and they are not working on any skills. You have to work on skills before you just immediately jump to pills. And a lot of us, we want that quick fix just like with physical health. But if someone is overweight, we say that they're physically unhealthy, right? Like if someone is overweight, we say they're physically unhealthy. And then if we're smart, we tell them to do things like, you know, you need to start working out. You need to start eating better. Drink more water. There's things that you can do to be more healthy physically but if someone is repeatedly anxious or emotional we don't call them mentally unhealthy we call them mentally ill and i think we need to start calling it being mentally unhealthy and we need to encourage those people this is not a diagnosis there are things that you can do to get healthy when you think about getting in shape with your body you understand that it takes a lot of work and it's going to take a lot of work for you to get your mind healthy, to get your brain healthy. And rem- remember, your brain is, is like a spring. It is a source for all you do. So you have to get this right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk through some practical things that you can do to manage your mind and to get it right. Because we've, we've discussed the importance of it. I feel like everyone in this room understands the importance of it. But now what are some practical things that you can do when you start to have your mind spiral out of control, when you start to get anxious, when you start to um, just, just get dark? Well, I was listening to an interview with um, a doctor. His name's Dr. Amen, and he is a doctor for a lot of celebrities like Justin Bieber and Sadie Robertson. He has the world's largest database of brain scans, so he scans people's brains. And a lot of these skills that I'm going to tell you come from what he talks about. One of the things that he talks about is that he said he says. When you are in a situation where you all of a sudden start to have bad thoughts or or you're afraid or you're anxious, if it is not dangerous, he says, do not leave. Don't leave. Because so many people who have social anxiety or test anxiety or whatever it may be, they want to leave, they want to go. But all that's doing is you're ignoring the problem and you're not addressing it. So if you're having negative thoughts and your mind is racing and you're feeling anxious, you need to stay where you are. Because because if you keep leaving, it's not going to get any better. Earlier I said that, so that's one thing you can do. Earlier I said that um, your brain uses 20% of your oxygen of, of the blood flow in your brain. When you guys get anxious, I don't know if you've, if you've noticed this, I've noticed this, whenever I get anxious, your breathing changes, it starts to get shorter. And I I don't know how many in this room have experienced a panic attack. But the quickest way to break a panic attack or a moment of intense anxiety is to breathe. God is giving you breath. Four seconds in and eight seconds out. There is, I know it may sound silly. And honestly, when Tyler, like if I get worked up and, you know, I'm kind of mad about something, Tyler, like, makes me breathe and it makes me even more mad. (laughs) But it's true. It slows your heart rate down and it slows your brain down. I had to do this, especially after um, Hazel. I had, to, I had to breathe in for four, and I had to exhale for eight, and it slowed my mind and my heart down. And then another thing that you can do is you can write down what you're thinking, okay? You can write it down, and you can face it head on. You don't need to quit trying to cover it up, and quit pretending like it's not there. You can address the lie that's in your mind, but then what you need to do is you need to write down the truth. You need to replace the negative thoughts with positive ones. And I'm just going to be very vulnerable. I kind of have gone back and forth in my head with, like, do I want to share this, do I not? But over the past month, I've started seeing a Christian counselor myself. Not because I feel like I've hit rock bottom or because anything is terribly, drastically wrong. But I just know that there's some things in my life that I could be better at, that I could work through. And I want to be the healthiest for you and for my family. And one of the things that we talked about actually this week My counselor said that what I want you to do is I want you to write down values. I want you to write down things that you want to live by and tie scripture to those things. And then any time you have a thought, you have a negative thought or you have an anxious thought, whatever it is, I want you to go back to those values and ask if those thoughts line up with what you want to live by. Are those things true? Do they align with the word, the truth of scripture? And if you don't want to write it, then, then you can just say it. Like, I remember when I was younger, I would be in my room, and if I had a negative thought or, you know, if I just feel like I was just spiraling, I would, like, verbally talk out loud and be like, no, this is what I'm thinking, and I refuse to believe that because I know that this is true. And in order to do that, in order to call out those lies and replace it with truth, you have to meditate on the truth. And one thing that I've been super convicted of is I need to do a better job of memorizing scripture. And I'm a pastor. Like, that's part of the reason why during announcements I want to start making this shift. And instead of just giving away an item for people who show up, I want to give away an item to people who are memorizing scripture. And so there's going to be a a scripture that is up on the screen. It's in 2 Corinthians. And I just want to challenge you guys to memorize this. This isn't one verse. This is three verses. It's 2 Corinthians, Keaton. 2 Corinthians. There it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses three through five, and I just feel like it's a little bit more challenging than than one verse, so that's why I want to challenge you to do it, but it's, for though though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You can memorize that, it's going to be challenging. But if you can memorize that and in a moment of weakness and in a moment of spiraling thoughts and negativity, if you can speak that over your life. I will take captive my thoughts to make them obedient to Christ. That is powerful. And I was listening to this, this guy um, who's a, a pastor. He actually memorized eight chapters of Romans. He memorized chapters one through eight of Romans. Without looking, he could tell you it. And he said what really inspired him was he went over to an underground church, like in another country where they can't speak the name of Jesus, where they can't have church. He went to that church, and they, they wanted him to just keep teaching. Like he, they were so hungry for the word of God because they could not have it. The guy taught the word of God for eight hours one day, and they asked him to come back and keep teaching giving them the word because they were so hungry for it. And I think in this American gospel, we become so used to like how, how amazing, like we, we honestly become ungrateful and we've, we've desensitized the work of Jesus Christ. And so it was so inspiring to hear this guy say, yeah, I, I went over there and they are hungry. We have to meditate on the word. We also need to do things to avoid hurting our brain. That's another practical thing. So so meditate on scripture. And we need to do things that avoid hurting our brain. Because just like a water spring, what goes in has to come out. What are you taking in? You know something that really, really hurts your brain? Not sleeping. And I know how hard it is. To not sit there on your phone and scroll and scroll and scroll and stay awake until midnight or 1 a.m. And then, because I'm just telling you that when I was in high school, I would do that. Like, I would stay up till midnight, till 1, and then I'd get up at 6 a.m. And I would go in for all my meetings that I had. and, And I felt invincible. Like, when you're young, you feel like you can do it. But I'm telling you, you are not, you don't have a superpower. You're just being stupid if you're not sleeping. You have to sleep. Your brain needs you to sleep. Speaking of phones... Social media is very addictive, and it can distract you from real relationships. Social media companies, guys, I'm not telling you to delete all social media, but I am going to say the dangers of it. They are out to make money, and what makes money is fear and anxiety because it causes you to feel like you have to buy things and look at things to feel a certain way. And so they promote this. They promote fear. They promote anxiety. So you have to be really careful about what you put your eyes on about what you scroll to, by what you click on with what you watch. And where you bring your attention determines how you feel. Here's something practical Tyler and I did this year. The start of this year, we made it a rule, and I'm not saying that we've been perfect, but we've made it a rule in our house that at 9.30, our phones have to be plugged in, have to be plugged in and put away, and we don't look at them again at 9.30. I'm not saying we go to bed at 9.30, but I'm saying that we plug our phones in and we don't look at them. So I challenge you, try something like that. Also, look at who you're following. Because who you're following is leading you. Who you're following is leading you. I know this is going to sound harsh, but I promise you it's coming from a place of love because I've been there. I know the popular thing to do right now in, in your season of life. Is to post a lot of pictures of yourself, your spring break pictures on the beach, or your selfies or whatever it is, and to comment on all your friends stuff with fire emojis and saying, Oh, hottie and 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 hoping that they return the favor to you, right? But I just wanna ask you, um, what's the what is your purpose in doing that? Is it for attention? Is it to have eyes on you? I just want you to dig a little deeper with what the purpose of that is because I can speak from experience that you will look back on that and be like, sus, okay? Yeah, some of you cringed. I also did. Um, <laughs> but you're going to look back on it and you're going to be like, why did I Why did I feel the need to do that? I, that was a cry for attention. So just ask, like, who am I following? Because they're leading me. If my If certain things that I see... I feel like I need to do, be careful what you watch, be careful what you comment, be careful what you post, okay? Philippians 4.8 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, I'm going to invite the worship team up, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What I want to to replace is where, where it says, think about such things, whatever is true and noble, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, think about such things. I want to challenge you, post about such things as well. So before you post something, is it true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Whatever you look at, whatever you click on, is this true? Is this pure? Is this lovely? Is this excellent? Is this praiseworthy? If not, don't do it. Another way to have This is a lot of practicalities, but another way to manage your mind is to express gratitude. That job that I had at Target as an operations manager, hated it. I did not like that job. But what I had to do to get through that season was every single day on my way to work, I had to thank God. I had to express gratitude, and I do the same thing now. I start my day driving Hazel to daycare, and I thank God for all the things in my life, and then I end my day by journaling to God and thanking him for all the things that he's given me. Start and end your day with gratitude. Another thing that you can do is you can stop gossiping and you can start praying. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That golden rule, you know, treat others the way that you want to be treated. I just want to say, talk about others the way you want them to talk about you. Another thing that you can do, and this goes back to some of the the awesome things about your brain, is be careful of what you put in your body. Drink water, avoid a lot of bad food, okay, avoid alcohol, avoid other drugs. What you put in your body affects your brain, and what you don't put in your body affects your brain. And I just want to pause and just have a little caveat, um, and just have this little moment Alcohol is the only drug that you have to explain why you don't consume it. And there is a reason why there is a certain age that you need to be in order to consume it. And so I just want to say that your body and your brain should not be filled with any of that. It can have dramatic, dramatic effects. And just because something is legal at a certain age does not mean that it is the right thing that God wants for you. Earlier we said, 2 Corinthians 3 through five, for though we live in the world, we we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That passage there says stronghold. And a stronghold is a mindset that's hard to break free from. You must manage your mind by taking those thoughts captive, not just some thoughts. This isn't a one-time thing. It's every thought and making it obedient to Christ and Jesus didn't live a perfect life and die for us and teach us in the way that we should go and conquer death and send us the Holy Spirit just for us to let our minds think whatever they want. So I've got a series of of things that I'm going to read through and they're just different thoughts that maybe you've had. Maybe there's some thoughts that I've had and I just want you to stand if any of these thoughts Are something that you have thought of before. So I just want you to stand if these thoughts, any of them, just even one of them, relate to you. Stand to your feet when I read one. Nobody cares about me. I need to lose weight. You can stay standing. You can stay standing if you stand. I'm embarrassed by the way I look. There must be something wrong with me. They don't like me. I'm stupid. I'm a failure. I look so gross. I have no friends. I'm so stupid. I'm a failure. I'm better when I'm drunk. I can't do anything right. I'm the reason my parents fight. I'll never break this habit, so what's the point of stopping? I feel disgusting. I can't believe I did that. It seems like no one loves me. I'm not enough. I'm going to fail. I'm so tired. What's wrong with me? I can't believe I said that. I bet they're talking bad about me. And I don't think God loves me. Earlier, we talked about how you, you can stay standing. Earlier, we talked about how these water springs happen when rain comes down and when there's enough water underneath that it has to just go through an opening, it has to emerge. But what what happens that I didn't tell you earlier is that when that rain comes down and it settles down into the ground, that soil that that rain sinks into, it like purifies the water. And so spring, like a water spring, that water is some of the purest, most clean, clear drinking water that you can find. And there are some things that we take in in our mind that we choose to, but there are other things that happen to us that that we don't get to choose, that affect the way that we think, that affect what we see and what we think up here. So there has to be a filtering process for all of this. There has to be something that purifies us. There has to be something that cleanses us. And so what I want to ask all of you tonight is to allow Jesus to be the one who purifies and who cleans and who cleanses all of that. Let Jesus be the one who cleans up those areas and allow for a purified life to spring forth, to replace all those lies that all of you stood up for and replace them with truth. We all have battles in our minds, but we have victory if we understand that we can take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. So everyone can remain standing, but I want you to close your eyes. And tonight, if... If you're saying that, you know what, I've struggled with these thoughts, I've struggled with negativity, I've struggled with anxiousness, and I've allowed it to rule my mind. I've allowed it to overtake my mind. I've been spiraling, I've been thinking some bad things, but I want to change, and I want to be purified, and I want to be cleansed, and I want things to change for me. And I don't want to be the one to do it, I want Jesus Christ to do that for me. If you have turned your back on him and you want to come back and you want the truth. On the count of three, I would just ask that you raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand tonight. You can put those hands down. Let's pray together. Say, hey, God, I've got a battle in my mind. I need you to help. Help me take those thoughts captive. Help me demolish strongholds. I believe in you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Please forgive me. I love you. I choose you. Amen. Let's worship. If you enjoyed today's message, I would encourage you to like it or share it on social media. Movement Youth for 6th through 12th graders meets on Wednesday nights, and the Point College Ministry meets on Sunday nights. We would love to have you join us. Thanks for tuning in.